Hello, everyone, and welcome back to PFR Weekly, our second episode this week. I'm Devin, and I'm here, as usual, with Jane and Nathan. And we are here to talk about Chadwick Boseman. As many of you probably know, um, if you have been paying attention to just the news in general and to this site at all this week, uh, Chadwick Boseman, the incredible actor and figure, died last Friday at the age of 43 after a multi-year battle with colon cancer that was kept private until his death. Um, It is news that sent the entertainment world reeling and truly just the world in general because Bozeman had transcended his role just as a movie star to become an incredibly important international figure. And so we wanted to have this conversation today following up on our podcast about Black Panther because we had recorded that prior to Bozeman's death and so didn't have a chance to reflect on his legacy as it were because we were still thinking of him in the present but now we are sadly forced to consider who he was and what he did in the past. We are here on a much more sober topic than we have done before. I don't know about the two of you but when I first saw the news I was absolutely stunned and was quick to believe and hope that it was one of those stupid celebrity death hoaxes. I really did not want to believe that it was real. I had a similar reaction. I had a momentary thought where I was like, oh, it's April Fool's. And then it was August. And I actually found out it was on Friday night, which is on the eve of my grandmother's funeral. So I was already grieving and sort of in that place and actually found out on Facebook because someone that I knew had posted a link saying that he had died. And it just felt like a sucker punch. I think I froze for a sec and was just like, this isn't real. How could this be real? And so immediately just Googled Chadwick Boseman to see what the actual news was saying. And it was especially stunning, I think, because we had just talked about Black Panther. And so it it just felt somehow impossible. I actually found out from you, Devin, when you when you sent me the the article, um, and yeah, for me it was also kind of a, a shock, um, mostly because I had spent pretty much that whole day and the day before editing our Black Panther podcast, um, so I was thinking about Chadwick Boseman for like two days straight, and you know, his name was just kind of in my mind. And then at first I didn't really register it because it was kind of like, you know, uh, oh yeah, something Chadwick Boseman. Uh, And then when I saw that, it kind of felt like, like part of a a plot of a movie or something. Like it didn't, it didn't feel real. Um, And then I went immediately and, and checked his Instagram account and saw their tribute to him and, just kind of started watching as as all of these other celebrities and news sources I follow kind of began to report on what was happening and, and the really tragic kind of things that led up to it. I like words that you both used and Jane, I'm going to latch onto your impossible. I think it was an AP update that pushed out on my phone and I went, no, 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 no. Um, and when, and the only source I could see that confirmed it at first was TMZ, which felt felt like, okay, maybe this is a hoax. If TMZ is doing it, it doesn't really mean much. But then I also went to, I went to the Twitter. I 
the Instagram, his official accounts and saw the, you know, what has now become this kind of all over the place, black and white photo of him that is really just gorgeous and the statement. And that was when I sent it into the Slack because it was this moment of, I now know it's real, but it doesn't feel real until I've communicated it with someone. You know, I don't know if there's that, there's that moment where you know something, but until you, I don't know, speak it again into the world in some way, even if it's just texting, it doesn't, it doesn't start to settle in. And then after we were messaging for a while, my mom called me because she had been up late watching the news and saw it. And we were talking and my brother had been sleeping because he'd taken a late nap and I got up to get a snack. And then she told him, and then we were talking. It was just like this domino effect of seeing how it registers on people. And, you know, my brother and I talked about, and I think Nathan, similar to what you're saying, just having spent so much time thinking about him recently, he just felt so alive. I think, yeah, for me, since, since I had been thinking about him so much this last week, I think his death hit way harder than any other celebrity deaths in the past. Um, usually when this happens, I mean, with, with, other, with other actors who have passed re- in recent years, um, thinking back to like Robin Williams, Generally, you know, I hadn't seen any of their films recently. It was kind of just another bit of news that came out. The fact that you bring up Robin Williams brings me to something I've been thinking about, um, where the Robin Williams death, I remember very clearly where I was when I found out, and it destroyed me because he had been somebody who had meant so much to me for so long. But it's, it's interesting, I think, right, where my initial reaction to Bozeman's death versus Williams' death was this moment of, Robin Williams was somebody who I can think of as an important Hollywood figure and somebody I went to for comfort. Chadwick Boseman was such a more recent development that with Williams, where it felt like I was mourning an old friend, Boseman feels like mourning somebody who I'd just gotten the chance to know, right? And obviously we don't know these people in real life, but I think as you're saying, Nathan, as we interact, especially as us, three people who are spending so much time watching, thinking, writing, and talking about film that you really have to get in there and feel like you become a part of what you're writing about. And with somebody as engaging and charismatic as Chadwick Boseman, it's impossible not to be drawn in. And also he was really on the brink of becoming this massive star, which he should have been, could have been, and was already becoming with Black Panther. But um, it feels like there's more of the sense that he didn't quite get to achieve the level of fame or recognition that he really deserved because he died so young. And also he, I feel like his career started somewhat late. I mean, he was in his thirties before he got his, you know, big major breakout role. So he was just sort of getting started really. I feel like he had a lot more left to do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I read about this a little on the piece that I put out earlier in the week about him, but I remember really seeing him for the first time in The Express, a movie that came out in 2008, and then in an episode of Fringe that I loved. But I went back to look at the filmography. He was in an okay movie called The Kill Hole, and then he made 42, and that was his first starring role. He plays Jackie Robinson, and he was 36 when he got that role. I mean, here's a guy who went to Howard University 
and the British Drama Academy, and he's incredibly well-trained, and, but for most of his career is just kind of floating around, um, waiting to be discovered. And then he gets 42, and then he does get on up, and then he gets Black Panther. And it's just this kind of, I don't know, nitro into just a career that could have happened. It's incredible to think that when all was said and done, it went from, it was only seven years where he really went from having his first starring role to becoming one of the most internationally prominent movie stars. I think for me too, the the fact that he, as you said, we're kind of imagining what he could have gone on to do. Um, and I remember when we, when we recorded our Defy Bloods uh, episode, I think we talked about kind of how Chadwick Boseman was one of the most promising kind of rising stars and how excited we were to see him in future films. That kind of feeling of like, this is something that has now been taken away. There's kind of a cruel irony, I feel like, in the fact that we've talked about him so much recently and, and been so excited about him and what he, he can do on the screen. I feel like in these conversations, you know, that we had on Defy Bloods podcast, but just that idea of the promise that he has, I feel like wrapped up in that is this kind of just, for me, awestruck feeling I get thinking about how he went from relative unknown to movie star to just an icon. I mean, this is a man who... For all intents and purposes, when you read over the tributes about him, everyone who worked with him, people, whether they're in the Marvel Universe or on the other movies he worked on or just knew him somehow, it is an outpouring of grief for the talent of a man who had so much to bring, but more so for this kind of life force of grace and care that he seemed to radiate in his life and it the thread that I keep coming back to and I, I think something we're, we'll talk about but in Ryan Coogler who directed Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan who was of course Chadwick's co-star and their tributes to him they kind of take the lead on saying something that a lot of people are saying is that you know it was so easy for Chadwick to play a king like T'Challa because he had all of that regal elegance and internal turmoil that define a character like that. And so of course he could rise to the occasion to do it because that was the man he was. And just to think that he was filming these movies while battling cancer, I mean, that's just as super heroic as anything that he portrayed on screen. And I, I am just blown away by the spirit that this man had. And it seems to me so irrationally unfair that it could be put out. I think it's really wonderful the way that he as a person has come to be known as or, or and was very similar to a lot of the people that he portrayed. Like he portrayed these big icons, these significant black Americans, these big roles. And we're hearing now from his co-stars and people who actually knew him that he actually was just as kind and brave and graceful and caring and all of these wonderful things that these characters also had. And so he is sort of being elevated also as an icon, like these, these big roles that he played. 
the fact of Storm and Norman being kind of like this icon and this mythical person that they talk about as being our Martin and our Malcolm. And then when you actually meet him in the form of Chadwick Boseman, he fulfills those expectations, <laughs> which is really amazing. Jane, to kind of touch on that point, I was uh, re-watching part of The Five Bloods um, to, to kind of look at Chadwick's role in that. Uh, and one of, the, one of the quotes from that kind of stood out to me just before that, uh, that line about he was our Malcolm and our Martin. Um, there's another line where Otis says, Norman gave us something to believe in, a direction, a purpose. And I really felt like those words kind of hit differently this time thinking about uh, everything that, that Chadwick Boseman gave us, what he gave us, some, especially so many younger kids who watched Black Panther and really found him to be this kind of heroic uh, idol. The first thing I went and watched after I realized that he was dead, there's a video of Boseman on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I think a couple weeks after Black Panther came out. It wasn't very long after it came out. I don't know the exact date, but the setup is that Chadwick and Jimmy Fallon are behind a curtain and then Fallon's employees bring in fans who are speaking to a poster of Chadwick to thank him for what he's done and to thank him for making Black Panther. Right, so it's this thing where they don't know that he's behind the curtain. You have this array of people, but the one that stands out to me is there's a mother and her young son. The son looks probably 12, 13, right? He's not a little kid, but he's not that old. And she is talking about how she is so grateful that her son has grown up in an era that has been defined by strong, prominent, elegant black men. And first she says, you know, first it was Barack Obama and now it's you Chadwick as Black Panther and Chadwick like steps out and he's going like, you have put far too much praise on me. As the, as the mother of a young son, um, my son's childhood has been defined by Barack Obama and now Black Panther. So thank you. Hey, that's way too much praise. <laughs> Barack Obama. No, 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 no. You are gorgeous, gorgeous family. That gorgeous. is unexpected. Gorgeous family. Wow, Thank what a surprise. The video is like five and a half minutes long and I used it in class last year. I watched it all the time. It's always been something I go to when I need to feel better because it is so purely joyous. And watching it, I, you know, I was, normally you get the little happy tears that come up, but I was so sad while watching it, yet just still in awe of the grace and love that Bozeman brought to playing, you know, this Titanic figure who had the undue amount of pressure put on him to be like, hey, you're the first black Marvel superhero who's getting a significant role, so don't screw up. It's like this, if it didn't work, like we said in the Black Panther podcast, right, the idea that if it didn't work, they could use it as an example. And they, the general studio system, would say, well, we can't do this again. And um, even in Kugler's piece, right, he talks about how when they were making it, he didn't know, he wasn't sure if it would pull off well and 
the whole time Bozeman was like, no, this is, we're doing this. And it's just the, maybe it's the constancy of who he was that stuns me. Everyone always says, don't meet your heroes, but it seems to me that if you were one of the multitude of people who idolized Chadwick Boseman, you could not have done better than to meet him as your hero. Also part of what's making his death so especially sad at this moment is everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter and the protests. And Jacob Blake was shot, I think, five days before Chadwick Boseman died. So it just seems like it was sort of this time of reinforcing yet again that our society is still not getting it and we're still shooting unarmed black men for nothing. And we still need people like Chadwick Boseman to be heroes and role models and do this great work. And he was taken away from us. And it just seems like, I think one of you used the word irony, just this horrible irony, like this dramatic moment of right when we need people like this more than ever. Yeah. When I was talking to my brother on the phone, we got to the point of saying, you know, and recognizing that Bozeman and John Lewis have vastly different backgrounds, vastly different places in American society, but that in their own ways and in their own fields, they had come to define, really define an era each in so many ways, right? John Lewis is so synonymous in his life and now in his death with the civil rights era and as this titan of that time. And, you know, one has the feeling that had Bozeman survived and gone on, right? We can never know exactly what's going to happen, but with the career he's having, he's set up to have, I mean, you think of how he could have gone on to redefine everything the way Denzel Washington in an earlier generation had gone on, right? And Bozeman himself made that comparison at uh, the AFI celebration last year when Denzel Washington was given his Lifetime Achievement Award. And Bozeman spoke and said, at the end of his beautiful speech, there is no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. And, you know, you, you imagine that Bozeman would have continued to be a figure that could do so much just by being who he was and playing the roles that he rose into. And he already has a career. I mean, just in his short seven years of being a leading man, each of his movies brings something incredible to the table and is a legacy and career that will, I have no doubt, outlive anyone who was a part of those movies. He'll just continue on. I mean, I think it's extremely unfortunate that we won't get to see Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther 2. But the one small gleam of hope, I guess, is that there is this film that that Chadwick uh, was in that has not been released yet. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up, Nathan, because I was... I was reading about it and it's a completed movie. So it's totally done. And it's an adaptation of the August Wilson play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And it's a movie that is starring Chadwick Boseman alongside Viola Davis, Coleman Domingo, Michael Potts, Johnny Cohn and Glenn Turman. And while I'm not super familiar with The August Wilson play, it's some sort of story look into um, Mother of the Blues, Ma Rainey, and a recording session 
that takes place in 1920 Chicago. Um, and this is a movie that is being released through Netflix. And just to think of, I to think of Chadwick Boseman delivering lines written by August Wilson. To me, is just it's so exciting to think about to think about that we are going to get this from him because you know we talked about in the Black Panther podcast how Shakespearean that movie is. And while it's not like Bozeman was reading lines from some classic theatrical production, it had that quality to it. And, you know, he's, he's played so many roles that focus on these quote unquote great man, black figures from American history. And then T'Challa, but to have him just slip into a real life character that is molded by Wilson. I'm going to be so sad watching it but I am also so excited to know that it's there. Um, and to think of him in a movie with Viola Davis, just, I don't know. To me, there's no perfect send off for somebody that you can't believe is dead. But as far as a final film project goes. I was also just thinking about The Five Bloods, which up until this point has been his last released film. And I went back and watched part of it in preparation for this. And it's just amazing to see how different he looks physically from Black Panther to the five bloods. And obviously he was super fit and jacked for Black Panther, but we know now that that was because he was doing chemotherapy and in the midst of his cancer treatments. And again, just highlights how amazing it was that he was still producing these massive blockbuster films in the midst of this ongoing battle and told no one about it. And I think that was also part of the shock as we all learned that he had died, I immediately texted my family and my sister was like, I didn't even know he was sick. And like, no one knew he was sick, um, which is such an interesting decision to make as a big actor. And I'm, I'm curious about the decision-making that went into that. It contrasts interestingly for me thinking about, you know, there are so many high profile moments of celebrities fighting cancer or disease or, you know, even, on the end of when we all found out that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had coronavirus, right? It was so public. We all talked about it. Um, or even currently, like if you think of somebody like Alex Trebek, right? He was such a visible figure on Jeopardy and we hear all about his cancer fight or Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her breast cancer battle, right? These are things that it's relatively commonplace for celebrities to talk about that because you know that it will impact your work life somehow. But again, I think just to echo some of what you're saying, Jane, that Bozeman, who for all of his vocal and presentness throughout his career, it wasn't like I knew a lot about his personal life. Right? He was a relatively private person in that regard. And so to hold that up till the end where he could just kind of have his own personal battle while focusing on his career and what he could do. I mean, it, it just blows my mind that he accomplished that. I mean, he very quietly got married to his longtime partner in 2019. She has been going through this private struggle with him. And, you know, if Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan didn't know, people didn't know that this was going on. Imagine that, Bozeman, his wife, and his family are probably the only people 
with any sense of it. And in one way that seems lonely, but at the other time is seems to be exactly what he wanted. And there is something, you know, there's so many things about Chadwick Boseman's life and career that I find remarkable and admirable. And I'm just, there are more and more ways where I look at him and go, I, I, you are just an incredible human being. And, you know, it's this, it's this kind of a, a pivot, but it seems to fit in here in my thinking. I, one of the articles I was reading of the many wonderful articles about Bozeman, his career, Wesley Morris wrote a piece in the New York Times it's titled, it's hard, it's hard to make dignity interesting. Chadwick Bozeman found a way. And in the article, Morris is talking really specifically about how Bozeman was playing all of these historical figures. And he has this section in the middle that I just want to read from because to me, it seems to get at this idea of the fundamental nature of who Chadwick Bozeman was. If we're talking about his privateness, the way he handled these things, but it also just cuts through to who he was that he presented to us outside of the movies and in the movies. And so Morris writes, I'll confess to finding it odd that Bozeman played these three roles so quickly. He's referring to playing Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, and James Brown. Um, it seemed at first like a joke on the movie's ongoing obsession with stories about exceptional black Americans or like Hollywood was too lazy to imagine anyone else inhabiting the exceptions. The truth is that Bozeman actually cornered a market with his inner elasticity and, at least for me, exploded the parameters of what biographical movie making ought to be. With him, quote, seems like mattered more than, quote, looks like. It was daring and he didn't even seem aware of the risks. What can an actor show us when he doesn't even look like the people he's playing? That always seemed peculiar, his resemblance to none of the three men. But Chadwick Bozeman had these eyes. They weren't Robinsons, a young Marshalls or Browns. In each case, Bozeman's eyes were too large and his frame, while we're at it, was too small. But my, their sincerity and tenderness reached inside you. That's what his eyes could do with entire personas, get to their point and go beyond it. And I was reading that and those lines about the sincerity and tenderness and his eyes could do with entire personas. To me, I know Morris is talking about his performances here but to me felt like the most perfect summation of what I felt and thought about, whether I was looking at Bozeman on screen, in a movie, in an interview, in a photo, in anything, just that sincerity and tenderness. And it seems like he was sincere and tender with himself, with his family, with his life and with his career. And that's a consistency that I, I can't think of anyone else really who rises to that in my eyes. In, in kind of preparation for this, I went back and watched a few scenes from um, a number of his different movies. So from 42 and from Black Panther and from Five Bloods especially. And I was trying to figure out what I found so captivating about his performance um, because I think as, as we talked about in, in The Five Bloods, he has this sort of presence on screen where you just can't, you can't look at anything else when he's there. Even, even when uh, he's, he's on screen with, with Michael B. Jordan, you know, my eyes still go to Chadwick. Um, and so I was, I was trying to figure out what, 
I thought led to that. And I, I kind of was watching the way that his, his eyes move and kind of focus on different things. And I really felt like there was this kind of this gaze that he has somehow where you can tell, even if the, the object is off screen, you can tell what he's looking at just based on the kind of intensity that he gives to it. Um, and he, he often looks at things kind of from the side um, in kind of these ironical or, I don't know, sort of fun ways, um, especially when he's joking around with other characters. One of the things I love that you mentioned there, Nathan, is the playfulness that Bozeman brings. So that we've spent a lot of time talking about his dramatic power. And I feel like something that is so present in all of his performances is that humor. He has such a disarming way of throwing a look, smiling, delivering a line that just lovingly undercuts someone. And that's a level of charm that makes me wish he'd had a role that fully pushed that in a direction. I think of dramatic actors when they get a chance to do comedy or comedians when they get a chance to do drama and just how you see a spark somewhere and go, oh, that would be interesting. And I oddly found myself thinking of a lot of these kind of Errol Flynn style swashbuckler roles, right? The Captain Bloods and Robin Hoods of the world where Bozeman was never as big and brash as someone like Errol Flynn. But the idea for me of watching Bozeman take that gravitas and charm and put it in a swashbuckler adventure where he's just playing and having fun on a boat in a sword fight, something like that. You know, you get this image of this incredible actor being allowed to put those talents in somewhere that is more playful um, because I think that was such a part of his persona and especially part of T'Challa, Black Panther, you know, when he and Sherry are interacting, you see that side of him that is much more mischievous. And on the long list of things I wish I could look forward to with Chadwick Boseman, there's something to me about wishing he, he could have done something comedic because it just, it seems like that was just one of those things that was waiting to happen. And I'm so glad he made each of the movies he made, but I only wish. I went back and watched a bunch of his like SNL skits and stuff, which are great. And his, his monologue is great, but uh, um, I was rewatching the, the Black Jeopardy one where he stars as T'Challa and I was cracking up. He's, he, he does have a very good sense of, I don't know, of, of kind of a, an off kilter timing. I agree, I would have loved to see him in a, yeah, some sort of a comedic role. I'm going to steal the words of one of Chadwick Boseman's co-stars, Michael B. Jordan, who wrote a really lovely tribute to him. And part of what he says is, I'll miss the gift of sharing space with you in scenes. I'm dedicating the rest of my days to live the way you did with grace, courage, and no regrets. Quote, is this your king? Yes, he is. Rest in power, brother. And I love that he includes that line of, is this your king? Which is obviously from Black Panther and something that Jordan's character Killmonger says as they're, fighting on the waterfall. And it's this really heart-wrenching, dramatic, sad scene. Everyone's crying because Chadwick Boseman's character is about to be killed. Obviously he comes back at the end, but there's something just so poignant about taking this line, which is so full of 
pain and violence in the film. It's this really dramatic peak and this moment where Black Panther seems at his weakest. He's about to be defeated and killed. And then seeing the man who plays Killmonger, using it now to say he is, he is my king, he is our king, and repurposing the line in that way sort of just seems really special. I was thinking a lot about how Chadwick's role in Black Panther as T'Challa in some ways kind of gives us an understanding of how to grieve for him. Because um, Black Panther is so much about about death and about uh, grieving and mourning and all of these different kinds of, of emotions that surround that. And so we get the, uh, the scenes with, uh, with T'Challa and his father, with the panthers and the tree, and T'Challa's father talking about preparing for, for death. And um, we also get the, the moments at the, at the end when he's talking about kind of passing on um, to, to a new identity. There's, you know, there, there are all of these kind of, I don't know, quotes that, that really stood out to me, kind of rewatching these things. And, and the way that uh, at the end of Black Panther, T'Challa and Killmonger, so Chadwick and, and Michael B. Jordan kind of standing there looking out over uh, Wakanda and talking about, you know, what it means to die and what it means to grow up as a child and um, what it means to be a Black man and all of these kind of questions. It, I feel like there's, there's something in these words that really stand out to us. And it is so heartbreaking thinking about how, you know, a generation will grow up, you know, that, that is growing up right now watching Black Panther and also knowing about Chadwick's death, but also that he was fighting cancer during these scenes, filming them. And I can't imagine what it's like to have to play a role in which you die or play a role in which you are considering you know, the way that other people are, are there after you or the way that other people respond to your passing. It strikes me that one of Bozeman's first lines in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, it's not in his first scene, but in Captain America Civil War, right after his father, Tachaka, has been killed in a bombing, he sits on a bench with Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and it's an incredibly tender moment in a movie that is not the tenderest, um, right? It is a very large, very good, but very large scale action blockbuster. But they sit here and they talk and Bozeman at one point while holding his dead father's bracelet says, in my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. And it's a line that a lot of people have been using in Twitter tributes or Instagram tributes to Bozeman. But I feel like in everything you're saying, Nathan, and everything we've been talking about here, as gut-wrenching and heartbreaking as it is to consider that Chadwick Bozeman, the man, is now gone. And the tragedy that that is for him, for his loved ones, for everyone that knew him personally, right? That that's a grief that we can't even begin to imagine um, in terms of his specific death. But the idea that his death as a movie star, his death as an icon is in so many ways, just this stepping off point for the legend that will continue to be Chadwick Boseman. And that decades down the line, 
you know, I, I can imagine us continuing to talk about him the way that earlier generations talk about James Dean or talk about these figures that burned incredibly bright for a short period of time in the public consciousness. But what Bozeman has achieved more than I think Dean did is Bozeman with Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan and Lupita Nyong'o and that whole team behind Black Panther fundamentally redefined what pop culture could be in terms of black figures. And he did it in a way that, you know, for all of the pain, tragedy and violence that we are currently going through and that we have been going through for centuries, the fact that Bozeman leaves a figure that has become more than just a superhero, more than just a comic book figure, has become an image and a guiding light for a generation that is growing up and saying, this has to change. And to see lines from Black Panther, images of him at rallies before he died and now leading into the time after he died, you know, his, his death is a tragedy and there's no way around that. And yet his legacy is just stepping off and to see where it goes will be an honor because it seems to me the best way to celebrate a man that was so much more than we deserved and yet something and someone I am incredibly grateful to have seen from afar. Thank you for joining us a second time this week to celebrate and reflect on the much too short yet utterly remarkable life of Chadwick Boseman. We hope that you all take a chance to discover the parts of his career that you may not have explored yet and find ways to carry on the ideals and values he stood for in your own lives. Next week, we will return to our normal episode structure by discussing the 2017 breakout comedy, Girls Trip. As always, make sure to let us know if you agree or disagree with our thoughts by sending a message or a comment. Either way, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Portland underscore film underscore review, Facebook at Portland Film Review, and rate and review us wherever you're listening to this show. Plus, if you want to suggest a movie or get in touch about anything to do with PFR, shoot us an email at pfrweekly at gmail.com. Today's episode was edited by Jane Vaughn and yours truly, Devin McGrath-Conwell. It was produced by Jane, Nathan Maudlin, and myself. An audio clip of Chadwick Boseman on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon is included under fair use laws. Thanks for listening, and happy watching.